Father, we just come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you. The entrance of your word brings light. Your word is life. I pray, Father, as we hear your word, you would speak to us. Your word is the rock on which we can stand. Heaven and earth will pass away. Wars, pestilences, calamities, all will come. But your word is forever established in the heavens. And I pray, Father, each time we study, he we hear, the word would be also be established in our hearts and in our lives. And we would not be shaken, but we would stand firm. Because you said in your word, in your final warning to your disciples, he who endures till the end will be saved. And that endurance comes from your word, Lord. So speak to us even this morning. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So faith comes from and hearing from the word of God. So first we'll look at John chapter 1, verses 31 to 33. Uh, I hope those who are regular were missing on Wednesday, heard it online on Wednesday, so that we continue. Because it's not enough to have the word of God. You and I also need to hear. Faith does not directly come from the word of God. Faith comes from hearing. There is a component that is real and living because we serve a living God. Otherwise, the Bible just becomes a text which we read without the text speaking back to us through the Spirit of God. So here you will see for 30 years, Jesus, nobody knew. He lived a very quiet and conspicuous life. Now he's going to be revealed to the world. And happens through John the Baptist. I did not know him. But that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness saying. I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And he remained upon him. Yeah. I did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, that is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So through it all the narrative you will see, there is a God who speaks, a God who sends. God sends John the Baptist. And when he sent him, he will have a ministry for maybe less than an year. And his primary ministry is a one sentence message and to baptize people. And we would look at him and think that, wow, this is John's ministry. But that's not his actual ministry. The core, the most important part of his ministry, he would be absolutely failing in his ministry, even if he baptized the whole of Israel. Because even in the baptisms he's doing, there is a bigger purpose. 
The bigger purpose is what you see in verse 31. Because the one who sent him, God, who spoke to him and sent him, he said, I did not know him. I did. Though he knows his cousin, he doesn't know him. But that he should be revealed to Israel, revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. He's baptizing, he's baptizing, he's baptizing. People are getting uh, touched. They repent. He baptizes them, he baptizes them, baptizes them. But the purpose is something much bigger than we or he. Any one of us would think that. One of the people whom you baptize, you will see something. You will see the Holy Spirit descend upon him in the form of a dove. That's the one you should reveal to the world. That is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Okay, so all of us are engaged in activities. Let us believe God ordained activities. Regular. But the purpose could be something much bigger, greater. So keep your ears open always to hear. Jesus is revealed through John's ministry. And John points and from the minute he points Jesus to the world, his ministry starts decreasing. It's over. He tapers off. Then a little later he's arrested. And then he's dead. He's killed. Because he successfully finished his ministry by pointing Jesus to the world. In Matthew chapter 4, you will see as soon as Jesus is pointed out, he receives the anointing, he is filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit takes over. And now Jesus is being revealed to us. His public ministry, we are going to see him, God is revealing Patterns in Jesus' life because those patterns have to be replicated in our lives. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Please remember this. Whenever God leads, you know God is leading you. Whenever God leads you, he only leads you up. He doesn't lead you down. Even if it is to be tempted by the very devil himself, he is still leading you up. He's not leading you down. But when you go on your own, you're going down. There was a man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Abraham at the time of famine went down. When God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, he went down. It's all self. But when God leads you and he's taking you to be tested beyond your imagination, he's still leading you up. He led him up. By the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we see a pattern. If you were there on Wednesday, we saw the three factors we said at the end. Self, self-sacrifice, and then sacrifice of... Oh, you're good students, you all remember. Self, we all begin with self. Then we get religious and we start this self-sacrifice. But Ultimately, God accepts only the sacrifice of self. So every temptation is pointed, aimed at the self. And this temptation is also pointed at the self. If you are the son of God. 
command that these stones become bread. He wants to show off. Yourself is strong in him. I will prove to you now I am the son of God. It's pointed at the self. But he answered and said he is, it is written. But be very careful about it. Okay, go by what Jesus teaches. Okay, because the entire false word of faith movement is based on you are little gods. You can speak things into being. You can control your life with words. That's using the word of God to project the self. It's one of the biggest lies from the pit of hell. Okay, be very, very careful because sometimes our minds have been messed up with theology that doesn't fit in with God or the word. Remember, the Holy Spirit will never exalt self, which is the personality of the flesh. So learn from Jesus. Jesus' response is, it is written. What does he say? It is written. It is written. Now let me make this addition to this so that uh, you understand. Listen to me carefully. The Bible is primarily written to the saved. Though you can be saved by the reading of the Bible, it will be a supernatural act of God that that acts upon a soul that is desperate and hungry. But the primary method of salvation is not the reading of the word. It is the preaching of the word. It's not the reading of the word. If the reading of the word was the primary method of salvation, then God would have changed history around and as soon as he died, five years later, printing would have been discovered and God would have said, go to the ends of the earth and distribute Bibles. He didn't say that. Because that's not how salvation works. In Romans chapter 10, for there is, 12 to 5, there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. You have to call upon him. Anybody, Jew or Gentile, believer, unbeliever, everybody. Whatever format you are in. Anyone who calls upon him, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then scripture says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? That is the whole commission. Go to the ends of the earth for 2,000 years. Preach the gospel about the kingdom of God, about Jesus, what he has done. No man has to die and go to hell. God has opened a way. The way is his son. How can they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So the primary method of salvation is preach, hear, call, and be saved. Why is this so important is because a lot of people in Christendom and outside make the mistake of placing Jesus first as a teacher. Though when he walked on earth, they called him teacher, rabbi. He is not first a teacher. 
He is first and foremost the Savior. He came to seek to save the lost. And to the saved, he becomes the teacher. So if you are not saved, he cannot teach you. He cannot teach you. And if you get tuned off when you read the Bible, maybe you are not saved. To those who are saved, he is the teacher. This is exactly how the Holy Spirit works. Because everything God does, Jesus does, does through his spirit. So the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he doesn't start teaching first. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 16. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of unrighteousness, of righteousness and of judgment. First work of the Holy Spirit is salvation. Okay, He convicts people of sin. The preacher cannot, he can only preach about sin, preach about judgment, but he cannot convict people of sin. That's the Holy Spirit who does it. He convicts the world of sin, of the righteousness of God and the righteousness that is available in Jesus Christ and the judgment that is coming, which is called the day of judgment. And once you call upon the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit finishes his work and you are saved. Verse 13 says, However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Then he can teach. He starts teaching. That's why there is this incredible difference between those who are saved reading the text, that is the Bible, and the unsaved. When the unsaved read the Bible, they read it differently. The saved read the Bible, they read it differently. Because the text is different to both people. It's not the same. Now let me tell you this. The problem with modern Christianity is even the saved don't read their Bible. They read all other books about the Bible. So their reading of the Bible is framed by the reading of other people. Now Jesus is able to say it is written. The question is, are we able to say it is written? Jesus did not say, Mami ne bola hai. Do we know our text? If we don't know, don't know our text. What? The text is the Bible you carry in your hand. If you don't know your primary textbook, text, it doesn't matter how many guides you read, commentaries you read, they are all interpretations. You need to know your text. And if you don't know your text, you wouldn't even know what is it all about. Like last month, We'll come to that later. Like if I were to tell you something, if you don't know your text, it doesn't make any difference to you. What is pastor say? Son, your father, you have your father much offended. Mother, you have my father much offended. Come, come, you answer me with an idle tongue. Go, go, you question with a wicked tongue. What sense does that make? If you don't know your text. That's from Hamlet. Act 3. Now if you don't know Hamlet, you may think it's an omelette. 
ना यह हैमलेट कौन होता है दिस वन ऑफ शेक्सपियर फेमस ट्रेजेडीज ओके सो नाउ यू अंडरस्टैंड इट इज गॉड समथिंग सो इफ यू हैव नेवर हर्ड अबाउट शेक्सपियर you don't even know who it is i say that scene you have no clue what i am talking about you are talking about which mother which son is what is this conversation all about it is the same way if i were to quote scripture you would be wondering and even like you can like pastor cyrus and i were last month driving up from bagdogura up the mountains himalayas narrow road up the mountains you are going and just ahead of us is a pickup truck a small pickup truck and on the back of the truck is written sephania 317 if i'm right he's looking at me i'm looking at him we can't we know that 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 but at that point we did not know that so sometimes we are also tested on the highways Now the problem is just knowing the text without the spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 6 Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant not of the letter letter of the word but the spirit because the letter kills but the spirit gives so you just not only need the text you also need the spirit to interpret the text otherwise if you just have the text you see the pharisees were full of the text and no spirit and they were killers literally they killed the living word they full of the text memorized it they knew their text you could ask a pharisee even in his sleep he would tell you his text and if you don't have the spirit that's where your salvation begins the word of god is brings you only misery only brings you misery and condemnation and judgment makes you miserable without the spirit and jesus himself said this in john chapter 6 and verse 63 it is the spirit who gives life the flesh profits nothing The words that I speak to you are spirit. Jesus says the words I speak to you are spirit and life. But if I am not born by the spirit, I am only flesh and soul reading the text. It profits me nothing. It profits me nothing. Look at how Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 12 to 14. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches. See, man's wisdom also can teach God's word, but it's an intellectual appreciation of the word of God. Doesn't bring life, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him; nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. so it is not enough to have the text it's not enough to have the text you need to have your teacher too 
the Holy Spirit. Even now, I may be teaching you, but if you don't have the Spirit and ask the Spirit, teach me, even as He teaches us. You don't understand the text. In John chapter 1, verse 17, this is what gospel says. Law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Before both law and truth, the text is the same. You don't have two different texts for the law or for truth. The text is the same. So what, who makes truth out of the law? Only the Holy Spirit. Nowhere does Jesus say the law will set you free. He says the truth will set you free. So we go to these patterns established by God and learn through the firstborn of God. He is the firstborn of God who came in this flesh. So that God could have many sons and daughters. So we look at his pattern, we learn from his pattern. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, he says, It is, but he answered and said, it is written. So he knew his text. Now let me tell you something. Forget the context. Context is important. But with the Holy Spirit, context doesn't work. Context doesn't work. It doesn't work. Be very careful. Though context is very important in understanding a lot of stuff in the Bible, but with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't go with context alone. And sometimes there is no context at all. Okay? Please remember this. It is not so much important for the Holy Spirit always the context. And all the few who are sitting here, everybody, whether you believe, you don't believe, you're just saved, or saved for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, it doesn't matter. All of us in our minds, we have two compartments. One is called the conscious, the other is called the subconscious. Which actually means nothing you hear is ever forgotten. Everything that you have heard goes from the conscious and is deposited into the subconscious. It's there. It's not forgotten. We forget nothing. It just slips into that area. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit when we need it to bring into our conscious mind what is kept in the subconscious mind. So Jesus is facing a temptation. It is brought out. It is written. He's not opening his Bible and looking for a reference. It is written. If you look at Matthew 4.4, 4, it is written. And you go to Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. Yes. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So suddenly you realize context doesn't fit. This is talking of an incident that took hundreds, probably a thousand, five hundred, two thousand years earlier. 
But that's what the Holy Spirit brought. In Matthew 4, 7, scripture says, 4, 7, Jesus said to him, it is written, next temptation, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He's quoting from Deuteronomy 6 and verse 16. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted in Massa. Context. Important. But be very careful. Don't quote context to the Holy Spirit. Just use the scripture he gives you. Matthew 4.10 Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and only and him only you shall serve. Now this is from Deuteronomy 6 verse 13. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. Why does it have power when Jesus speaks, though it doesn't fit in with the context? Because it's the spirit who is bringing it. The temptation of Jesus and all his answers will not pass the muster of most Bible colleges. Because it does not pass the context test. But in each answer, Jesus brought the word and the spirit together. Because only the Holy Spirit can turn the word into a sword. With the unbeliever, his struggle is with the word. The unbeliever struggles with the word. With believers, our struggle is with the spirit. You need to understand. The unbeliever's struggle is with the word. Because the word troubles him. When Jesus comes and says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man goes to the Father other than through me. He's troubled. Or the apostle comes and preaches, under heaven only one name is given for salvation, the name of Jesus Christ. No other name. He's troubled. What about all my faith? All my good works? No man is justified by good works. He's troubled by the word. The believer who has crossed that point, put his trust in Jesus, every day troubled by the spirit. But as long as the believer, you and I have the word and resist the spirit, our self is kept intact. And we are no longer carrying that one thing Jesus asked us to carry, that is the cross. We are actually carrying the throne around. Okay. That's the issue. Faith comes from hearing. That hearing, when you hear, the question is when you hear, will you obey? It's not the word of faith moment where they are just using the word of God and keeping the spirit out. Where they are manipulating the word of God, where they have become God and God is not God. They have dethroned him. I'm not talking about that. Not talking about that. I'm talking about real daily living where God actually speaks to you personally. And when he speaks to you from the word, will you believe? Will you obey? Because that's where faith comes. And everything in God's kingdom is connected with faith. We are saved by grace through faith. We are justified by faith. We have access to God's grace by faith. We are called to live by faith. We are asked to walk by faith. 
we are taught to fight the good fight of faith we are asked to carry the shield of faith and we are asked to overcome this world by faith and the problem is faith comes from see if you would be very happy the hearing was taken off and it was just written faith comes from the word of god kya aasan hai na text to mil gaya it's like our phd uh, prelims exam what is that open book you are given three questions and one week to answer so when you go to write your answer you are not going to the you sit in the library and you got your textbook it's not easy okay if you look at the questions seven days are not enough but we would be very happy christians if we took that hearing out very happy christians faith comes from the word of god but the minute you make faith comes from the word of god and take hearing out christianity becomes a religion becomes a religion so all our difficulties are connected actually with hearing actually connected with hearing everywhere any situation whether it is small or a pandemic coronavirus war plague all these things or the smallest little trouble in life our issue is hearing once you have heard it's not an issue paul heard at the end of his life departure is near he knows departure is going to be very violent his head is going to be cut off but he's ready for departure because he's heard and he knows where he's going Peter will say time for me to put away this tent so once more i'm telling you last epistle is written he's ready for his departure because he has heard like i said pestilence came in david's time war came in david's time famine came in david david will not die why because he's got purpose purpose has been clearly defined and only when purpose is fulfilled he dies of old age and scripture says david fulfilled god's purpose in his generation and he rested with his fathers because he has heard because so it is not calamities it's not calamities that should trouble us all these calamities shouldn't trouble us you should be troubled only one thing am i hearing or not am i hearing or not that should trouble us so we have to have a very very clear understanding of faith because undefined words can cause confusion so first let me tell you what faith is not what faith is not faith is not any mystical power mind over matter that's that's occult faith is not any mystical power it is not a denial of facts it's not a denial of facts that's the junk they teach like if peter is ill they will tell him don't confess your illness confess your health but how can you ask for healing unless you confess your ill everybody who got something from jesus had to come and confess their trouble see it's not a denial of facts 
But faith does not exist in vacuum. It is not, does not exist on its own. Faith has to be placed in something. Okay? This is generally talking about faith. Then we will come to the faith in the Bible. It has to be faith based, fixed on something. In so many ways, faith is like love. When you say love, Valentine's Day was just over. Everybody's eyes are twinkling. So let me explain faith using love. Love does not exist itself. Only as an attitude or feeling or whatever you want towards something or someone else. Akila, you're the maid of honor tomorrow. Unless I'll catch you. Imagine you meet Akila tomorrow who's feeling a little wobbly in her knees. Her eyes are rolling. And she's a little out of breath. And you ask, Akila, what's the matter? And she says, I'm in love. <laughs> With whom? Nobody. Are you sure you're okay? Have you ever heard anybody saying, I'm in love with nobody. Does it make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. I'm just in love with nothing or nobody. That's what we'll say. Love does not exist in isolation. It's an attitude towards something or someone. So is faith. Therefore, now listen carefully. In faith, what you will see, what is important, is not so much how much amount of faith you have or even the strength of your faith. What is important in biblical scriptural faith is the object of your faith. That is what is important. Because in the word of faith movement, they actually teach you to have faith in your faith. The object of your faith is what is important. Not the, not so much the amount of your faith. Remember Luke 17 and verse 5, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Yes? We all need to pray, because when difficulty situations come, we need more and more faith. Listen to Jesus' answer in verse 6. If you have faith as a mustard seed, now he says, I will give you six steps how to increase your faith. He didn't say, he says, even you have little faith. Concha. Little faith, small as a mustard seed. Okay. Let's go through what Jesus said in different passages. Mark chapter 11, 23-24. For as shortly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. This is again Two verses they take and they run with it. But you have to look to verse 22. 
Now context is important. Very important. What context he said. What did he say? So Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Then you do these things. But to have in faith God, you need to hear. If God hasn't spoken to you anything about that mountain, you can do whatever you want with that mountain. It's not going to move. It's not going to move. Even the greatest of the apostles three times asked God in his life, there was a mountain, Lord, move it. God said, no. It's not moving. My grace is sufficient for thee. Did God hear him? Yes. Did God answer him? No. So context is very important. Very, very, I'm not discussed. Context is very important. If you read 23 and 24 and be quiet about 22, where God has spoken, then you will be in trouble. So the most important factor about faith is the object in which it is placed. And the actual quantity of faith is actually secondary. What matters is in whom have you placed your faith? That's what is important. Let me give an example. Primarily connected with uh, with uh, salvation. Okay, we have Jyoti here, we have Hepzibah here, you have me here. Okay, imagine three of us are taking a flight from Hyderabad to Delhi. We go to the airport, we check in, we get our seat numbers, let's say 8A, B and C. Hepzibah is flying for the first time. It's never flown. Jyoti has flown before once, let us say once. I've flown donkey a number of times. We are three sitting in the plane. Doors are shut, seatbelt on, and you look there, Hepsi is shaking. Hepsi is shaking. Why? Because she's never flown. She's shaking. Into her mind is coming all kinds of things. Okay? If you look at Jyoti, Jyoti is not shaking like Hepzibah, but she also is shaking. If you look at me, I'm so busy reading. Okay? But the fact of the matter is all three of us got in and put our seat belts in. Two hours later, we landed in Delhi. But let me ask you, I who had strong faith landed before them? And she who had very little faith landed after me? No. Why? Because it's the aircraft which took us, not my faith. So that's why you are, it is said, it's not your faith that saves, you are saved by grace, through faith. And Jesus says, what matters is, even if you have a little faith in this big God, He will take you through. He will take you through. He'll take you through. He'll take you through. And that's the problem with religion. The problem with religion is your faith is in your works. How will you know how much good work is enough? Have you ever heard enough you have passed to enter heaven? You'll never hear. Because your faith is in yourself. This is the problem with religion. The religion gives you no hope. 
Faith in Christ gives you hope because he says, I am the one who saves, not you. Put your trust in me. Anyone who calls upon the Lord will be saved. Anyone. See how it works? See, in Mark chapter 4, you remember that passage, right? Verse 40, but 35 onwards, it talks about Jesus told his disciples, let us go to the other side. They got in the boat. They took him as he was. He went to the back of the boat. He put his head on a pillow. He went to sleep. And the storm came. The boat almost capsized. And they came and shake him and said, Lord, don't you care? Vasta China. In Nepali, you say, Vasta China. You don't care. He gets up, he rebukes the wind, speaks to the sea, everything is calm. And after that he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is that you have no faith? Now, we sometimes read it wrong. You have no faith? Basically he's saying, I'm there with you. Na? Don't you trust me? That's what he's basically saying. Don't you trust me? I told you to go. I got into the boat. I'm in the boat with you. Why are you afraid? Don't you trust me? Haven't you seen enough now what I did in your life? You're still afraid? Did you see what he's saying? Don't you trust me? Have you no faith? Don't take faith and separate it from Christ. Disaster. That's why I like Galatians chapter 3. Law has imprisoned us till faith came. And when Christ came, faith and Christ is used interchangeably over there. I love it. Because if faith has come, Christ has come. If Christ has come, faith has come. That's what he's asking. Why are you afraid? Don't you trust me? What is the object of your faith? Wasn't it me? If the object of my faith was me, how can you drown? And I'm there in the boat. How can you die? If you read, yeah, we read uh, Mark 14. Now let's go to Mark chapter 14, where remember again another incident in the boat. Jesus was not in the boat that time. Jesus walks over the water. He comes, they're petrified, thinking it is a ghost. And then Jesus says, fear not, it is me. And Peter says, if it is you, Lord, call me. And he says, come. And walks a little, starts sinking. Immediately he said, Lord, save me. Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? What does it mean? Doubt what? Doubt Christ. Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? Need to understand what unbelief is. Unbelief is doubting God. Faith has an object. And the object is God. We trust Him. And faith comes from hearing. To hear, that's why I said, we would prefer it was written in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from the word of God. 
Thank you, Lord. I have my text. Hallelujah. If I have my text, I'm in control of the text. But if I have to hear, then he is in control of the text. It's a problem. That's what not what we were taught in university. In university, we were taught about the reader, writer, response theory. Once the writer has written, he has no more control over the text. It's up to you how to interpret it. It doesn't work with the word of God. Because the writer is alive and present with everyone who reads. And he says, I interpret the text, not you. I interpret the text, not you. Because the writer is alive. And when the writer is there alive with you, the words become living. Living. It's a living word of God. It's not dead letters written on paper. It's living. He speaks. Like I said, the issue is the word of faith movement has detached the person of Christ, that's the Holy Spirit, from the word. And their trust is in their confession. Ultimately, their trust in their self. And they have to come up with various theologies, how we are all little gods, and as God calls things that are not as if they are, we can also call, come on, that's demonic. So only one person who can call things that are not, that is God, that is not man. So understand the object of your faith. But our faith should increase. Please remember, our faith should increase. How will our faith increase? Our faith does not increase with confession. Our faith increases with the knowledge of God. Understood? The knowledge of the person of God. Knowledge of person of God. Now, I have used these illustrations earlier also. When I put on the switch, what happened? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Romans 5 and verse 2. What does scripture says? Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we... What's the proof you have faith? Is grace. What is grace? The power of God. That will save you to the uttermost. You can't say I have faith and say there is no grace in my life. Then you have no faith. If there is power, it will go. If there is no power, it doesn't matter what I do. Nothing is going to happen. By faith, you have access to the grace of God in in which we not will stand or stood in which we stand. In which we stand. That's what he's telling Paul. My grace is sufficient for thee. It doesn't matter what you go through in life or in death. My grace is enough. It's the very power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he's called in Hebrews 10 the spirit of grace. That's a proof. Because we need to have proof. So more faith means more grace. In Second Peter, Peter's final words to humanity before he retires from ministry. But they retired not like us. They went in, they didn't go to an old age home, they just died. 
or they were executed. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Puts them together. What is faith? Your trust in God. How do you grow in faith? By the knowledge of God. You understand this God better and better and the more you know Him, the more you trust Him. Because the more you know a person like God, that God is, we will say here, Peter will come here and say, three notes, God is good. You really believe? Really believe? Let's go to the ICU. And put two tubes in your nose. And the doctor says, chances are 5%. Let me see you singing. Whether God is good all the time. Paul and Silas were not singing in the streets or in church. They were singing with their backs broken in the prison, with their legs in stocks. Because God is good all the time was not a text for them. It was a reality. It was an experience. So God takes you from one experience to another and through it all you are getting to know God. It is not written in the Bible when Joseph was in his father's house and God, his father gave him a coat of many colors, God was with him. No, it's not. It's written when he was sold as a slave in Egypt in Potiphar's house and he was working as a slave. God was with him. Why? Because he believed and practiced, my God is good, though I am a slave. On a false accusation when he's thrown into prison, A dungeon. You have to read scripture carefully. 4,000 years ago, Egyptian dungeon. God is with him. Why? Because he believes and acts it out that God is good. So this is not text. We are talking about person. This is not text. The Bible is not a text. The Bible is about a person. Salvation is not a, a theory. Salvation is an experience where you encounter your savior. So grow in grace, and grow in the knowledge of God. That's why I said understanding is one thing, experience is another. Experience is another. God says believe. Believe. The more you encounter this person. So you hear a text, you heard today's message, and you say, I believe. Next thing you realize, what you believe is being tested out. You really believe? Why do you think all these things happen to the disciples every time in a boat? Because he's sending them out. You heard? Now let me see. Do you believe or not? As if Jesus did not know the storm was coming. He went to sleep. Why? To test their faith. In John chapter 14 verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe in God. And Jesus says, believe in. But the problem is then we have to define belief also. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask our crime reporter. Do you believe in the abominable snowman? Do you believe? No, you hear these reports once in a while in Nepal, in the up Mount Everest. They found the footprints and Indian army has a picture. Do you believe in the snowman? No. Whether you believe or not, it doesn't actually act. Matter. And we have the doctor sitting here. Do you believe in crossing? Yeah. Do you believe in crossing? Now it's not an intellectual thing when you have fever. Do you believe? Or Tylenol or 
paracetamol or whatever you want to call it, whatever drug it is. You have fever and now, do you believe? Ah. Now it is not whether it exists or not. You know it exists. So the step one of believing is first, you know it exists. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is. He exists. He is. Not he was or will be. He is. Anyone who comes to God first must believe that he is. God is real. That's step one. But at that step we are only equal with demons. James chapter 2 You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. He says you're good because a lot of atheists on earth, a lot of believers in heaven. Who are those? The demons. They all believe only in one God. There's no multiplicity of gods, nothing in the demonic. Everybody knows there is only one God and one name and his name is Jesus. Do you believe there is only one God? Good, it's good. Even the demons believe. Step two is, it's good, Dr. Richard, you believe in crossing. But the question is, when you have fever, will you take it? It's good, you believe in God. Now the question is, will you let him work in your life? Will you trust him? Will you obey him when he tells you something? John chapter 16. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they don't believe in me. Tu papi hai? Tu papi hai? Tu papi hai? Why? Because you do not believe in me. Because if you believe in me, tu papi nahi hai. You've been saved from your sin. You've been saved from your sin. The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. Why? Because you don't believe in me. Do you believe God can save you? Ah. Do you believe Jesus can save you from your sin? That's the question. Are you getting it? Ah, that's what faith means. Faith means hearing from God. What is the first thing you hear from God? First thing you hear from God is that you're a sinner. Christ can save you. It's not how many marks you'll get for set, Who you will marry. No, no, no. That's all much later. All that is irrelevant if you're headed towards hell. None of these things matter. All these things have any meaning in life only if you are headed in the right direction. So the first thing the Holy Spirit always will say, sin, wages of sin is death. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. He will save you. What is that called? It's called faith. That's why scripture says Jesus is the author of our faith. Not only the author, is also the finisher, the perfecter of a faith. It begins there, the first time you heard. It was about sin. 
Because a lot of people, when we go on missions all around the world, when you go on missions, a lot of people will be there who do not believe, but they will believe in God, generally in God. Not a God who saves you from sin. Not a God who saves you from sin. Because religion, you have to work out your uh, your sin out, your righteousness out. They don't believe in a God who saves from your sin, but they believe in a God who will bless you. So they will come and pray, ask for, pray for me. What? This, this, this. And we pray. Why? Because God says his rain falls upon the good and the bad. And the ugly or two. We pray. Does that save you? No. See, the religious person will never pray for salvation. Will pray for everything else. Except salvation. Do you know that? Because he is trusting in his own good works to save him, which will never save you. Ah. So this beginning of salvation is, Lord, save me. God says, I was waiting for that. Because I am the only one who can save you. See, what Jesus says, they are guilty of sin because they do not believe me. That I can save them. That's why you are guilty of that. Like I said, hell is full of pardoned sinners, forgiven sinners. Only thing they didn't believe. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for everybody. He didn't die for one set of people. He died for everybody. God so loved the whole world. He sent his only begotten son. Anyone put your trust in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. Everybody. So if somebody goes to hell, it's only because they didn't believe in him. And Paul takes it around through the Holy Spirit, puts it this way in Romans 14 and verse 23. He connects it to everything in a believer's life. He who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith for whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is not faith is sin. Now Wednesday, Ash Wednesday is beginning. Lent. I have to preach in a church. I don't know how I connect Ash, but I will make an Ash message. Okay, Ashes to ashes, dust unto dust. The problem is here. Why are you keeping 40 days fast? Why are you? Who told you? Did you hear? Did you hear? See, we don't even realize the most simple, normal activity of an average believer also can be conditioned by the Holy Spirit. fact is that we don't believe when to fast, when not to fast, when to eat, when not to eat. God says. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Who told him? The Spirit told him. The Spirit led him into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. He was not doing anything on his own. We need to understand what it, it means. To hear, because no, it's a, it is stages, but at least go through those stages step by step by step. So even if we act independent of God, and if the even if the activity per se is God, good, it is sin. Anything that we do independent of God doesn't matter how. Good it is. Good it is. 
it is sin in God's sight. Whatever is not of faith, sin. I gave you that in, incredible example in the gospel according to Mark. It's like Mark begins straight away with Jesus' ministry. He's preaching. People are stunned by his preaching. What power, what authority, what doctrine. Demons are going, people are getting healed all the way till the night. Every sick person is brought and he is healing, 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 all good. Awesome. The scripture says he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he went around healing and everybody was oppressed of the devil. Then scripture says early in the morning, when it was still dark, he went to a place, wilderness, and he prayed. People have already come early morning. All the sick in the town, they have come. The disciples have woken up and Peter knows, okay, Rabbi will be anywhere away from the crowd. He must be preaching. So he must be praying. So when they went there, they asked him, Lord, we were looking for you. The people have come. What did he say? Let us go to other towns because I have to teach. For this purpose I... Does it fit? Now... In his prayer, after he heard from his father, the Holy Spirit, that you need to go to this particular town and preach today, if he refuses that and heals everybody who comes there, he is sinning. He is sinning. Though everybody is blessed. Everybody is blessed. And they will bless him too. They will say, no man like you ever came into our town. This is the best thing that happened to our town. Every opinion in that town is for him. But God is against him. Because you didn't hear. Listen to what I told you. This is why we don't want to hear. Because once you hear, it demands accountability. If you don't hear, it is good, right? I'll go with the text. Please remember this, these things. That's why you need to know him. The more you know him, the more you need to trust him. And obey him. Obey him. You have to obey him. And you have to trust him. And Like I said, if you trust him and you obey him, grace flows in. That's what Peter will say in Second Peter. His divine power has given to us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. Everything. Through these exceedingly great and precious promises through which we partake of his divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world that comes through lust. The word, the spirit, the partaking because his life starts flowing into us. Do we believe? Let me explain to you. Uh, Dr. Richard, Dr. David, Dr. Beulah, apologies. I'm taking a piece from your field. Okay, It's called, uh, if I'm wrong medically, don't uh, shout at me later. Okay, I apologize. <laughs> I don't even know whether it's the right word for it, but something called microsurgery. You hear it all the time. This incident happened long time back in UK or US or something. You know, these machines are there, harvesting machines are there. And this farmer was putting this bale of the sheep or whatever you want to call it into it. 
by mistake his hand went in and it was cut off neatly here since it is a real incident let me get the text correct okay man had presence of mind real presence of mind okay what did he do he picked up his hand walked to the nearest house knocked on the door got the lady to call an ambulance in the meantime the lady took ice everything and wrapped that hand in ice reached the hospital the surgeons did an incredible job let us use our term stitched it back together again and it worked but think for a minute they stitched it back together of course bandage everything and all and slowly it started flowing he's starting to feel starting to feel and slowly you know you go through physiotherapy and all and slowly 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 i think he recovered completely but think of a minute think for a minute this is his hand that was cut off okay now imagine he reached the hospital and the hand is on one table he is sitting in the chair drinking coffee with the other hand and this hand is trying to waiting for life to come back will the hand do that will the hand do that the hand is sitting there sitting there and saying i'm waiting for life to come back and as soon life comes back and i get mobility of my hand i will go and put myself back into his does that work does that work no go to efficient chapter 2 verse 1 we'll see microsurgery he made you alive who were dead you see that hand was dead was dead just dead left like that it will waste away with thrown away it was dead the only way this could come back to life was it had to be fitted back to that body which had life and the blood from that body had to flow into through veins the arteries and life had to come back we were all dead we were all dead absolutely dead we are walking we were all dead men walking and men and women and children dead men and women children walking that's a view from heaven all dead why because we didn't believe in him look at romans 11 you will say then branches were broken off that i might be grafted in well said because of unbelief they were broken off this talking about whom israel israel was god's vine they went from belief to unbelief so god broke them off now israel is there in the middle east it's dead spiritually dead they may be one of the most advanced nations on earth in god's eyes they are dead when will they come alive when he comes a second time then they will see him who they have pierced and the remnant who believes in him will be saved no jew will be saved now unless he believes in christ if they can keep all the law i don't know where they keep the law where they can have a sacrifice because there is no temple that's why god destroyed the temple there is no temple for them to offer the sacrifice so if you have no temple and you have no high priest what 
day of atonement do you have? Nothing. Why? Because you did not believe. He broke them off. But when he broke them off, we who were Gentiles, all of us, we were Gentiles, he, by, when we believed, he put us back. It was a surgery that took place. Grafted in. Into his body. And it is his life that was flowing in. How do we stand? You stand by faith. Only by faith. Stand only by faith. Remember. You only stand by faith from the beginning till the end. Maybe 2500 times I may have flown. One time Jyoti may have flown. No time Hepsiba may have flown. But we all get into the plane. The plane carries all of us at the same time by faith and faith alone. My 25 years of experience, her one year experience, her no experience, irrelevant. Everybody will reach heaven only because of the work Christ has done and none of you or my work. Nothing. We stand by faith and faith alone. Nothing. That's where we struggle. That's where we struggle. Christians also struggle. That is Paul's question to the Galatian church. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How come you have gone back into the law? You started by faith, gone back into religion. How did you go back? You cannot go back to religion. It has to be faith, unto faith, unto faith, all the way. The most important part of faith is hearing. Christianity is not a set of ideals. No. It is being joined to a person. Christ in you and you in Christ. And that person is living. 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 The most important part of a living person is he speaks. All of you sitting over here, married, children, whatever. First sign there is an issue in your marriage is silence. Is what? Sometimes as a husband you may have said or done something, you are not even aware of it, but suddenly you look at today. Expression has changed. Silence is there. What did I say? <laughs> what did I say? Right? Are you bothered when God doesn't speak? Are you bothered? The worst thing that can happen to a man is when a man sins and God doesn't rebuke him. That's what happened to Saul. The worst thing that can happen to a human being is a person sins, a Christian. Let us say sins and God doesn't rebuke him. You read Romans chapter 1. Scripture says God has handed them over. Has handed them over. Handed them over. He said enough. No point speaking to these people. Leave them alone. 
So the very conviction of the Holy Spirit when you sin is awesome. Speaking is awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. And sometimes something which we have done is so big that is God cannot speak to us. Cannot speak to us because it is so big. It cannot speak to us. Because we are so attached to it. And that thing is attached to us. So God cannot speak. So God has to be silent. He'll wait. See, problem with God is that he has no issue with time. He's timeless. Abraham, leave your father. Leave your father's household. Go to the land that I show you. What did he do? He left. But he obeyed fully? No. What did he do? He took his father. What did father say? Let's leave it. Haran. Can God speak to him? No. Waited. Until his father died. God took him. See. Your seed will be like this. Yes, Lord. I believe. God told him he's righteous. Immediately the enemy comes through the back door. Sarah comes and says, I am barren. Take my maid. Have a son. And it will be ours. We shall fulfill God's promise through the hand of flesh. Suddenly it is not faith. Immediately Ishmael is born. Kya baat hai? No? Immediately. Immediately what? Trouble started. Did God speak? He's got trouble, real trouble in the house. The wife and the maid are fighting. So much trouble. The pregnant wife runs away. The wife says, see what you have done. Actually, she's the one who suggested. He says, do whatever you want to do. Calamity in the house. Through all that calamity, Abraham must have thought, Lord, why don't you speak one word? Nothing. You handle it. I am speaking to you. Never spoke. For 13 years, God did not speak. 13 years, God. Can you imagine the misery of Abraham? What are you doing here? Abraham, where are you? In the promised land. What are you doing? I don't know. Why? Because I haven't heard for 13 years. GPS. It's gone. No signal. It's not even rerouting. I'm stuck like chalk. Unaware where I am going. Why? He stopped speaking. So sometimes some of the things in our life is so big that God cannot speak to us. He waits until he can speak to us and we are ready to hear. So at 99, God comes and tells him, Abraham, Let us institute surgery in your house called circumcision. Because you got too much trust in your flesh. Please remember, this is a walk of faith. And faith comes from hearing. God doesn't accept any other life. And there has to be a constant tuning of our ears. Lord, why are you not speaking to me? Why are you not speaking to me? 
Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. You know, God speaks. It, have, it may have nothing to do with your life. It may have nothing to do with my ministry or your ministry. God just speaks. Do you remember Paul? The things that I heard, I do not know whether it was in the body or the spirit, I was taken to the third heaven. Today, a lot of people in Christendom talks about going to the seventh heaven. It's another God. Okay? Our God only talks about the third heaven. He says, I heard things that could not be. We don't know what he heard, how much he heard. Is it written anywhere? But did God speak to him? Things which needn't be uttered. Does God speak? Enoch walked with God for 300 years and he was no more. What did you hear? I can't tell you. I will tell you one thing. Which I am allowed to tell. What is that? I know about his second coming. Forget the first coming. I already know about his second coming. He will come with 10,000 of his saints to judge the ungodly. That I know. That I am allowed to tell. The rest is for me. Why? Because my God speaks. My God speaks. Because in times like this, you will not understand how important it is when you go through life to hear. To hear. How important it is to hear from God. But your own life's path he has tracked out for you. Because we have a God who speaks. In Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. The things that you have heard. Things that you have heard. A lot of things we have heard. Yeah, a lot of things we have heard. They are written. We have heard. It is not the law for us. We have gone beyond the law. The Spirit has shown us. What is it? The truth. Jesus always talked. He said, you have heard. Did he say all through Matthew chapter 5 and 6? You have heard. But I tell you, now this is the spirit cutting the law and exposing the core. You have heard, thou shalt not murder. But I tell you, surgery what you see inside, shall not be angry. How many murderers are there in this house of God today? Let the book of Revelation say murderers will be outside the kingdom. Are you an angry person who loses it every time? Did you hear? Did you cry out to the Lord? Lord, I got an issue with my anger. Help me, Lord. Take it out, Lord. Take it out. I've heard. Take it out. Take it out, Lord. Take it out. I'm not a murderer by the law, but I'm a murderer according to truth. And you did not come with truth alone. You came with grace. Lord, I need grace. I need grace. Did we hear? Did we hear? That's why if the Sermon on the Mount is not being spoken to us by a real person who is inside, it will make you miserable. Forget the law. The law is nothing compared to the Sermon on the Mount. It's nothing. Jesus is not telling you to do something. He's telling you, I can do it through you. I can. I can. You can do nothing without me. Absolutely nothing without me. You cannot. When do you realize it? When you start reading from 
Matthew chapter 5. That's why the greatest blessing he will, the first blessing has to be the greatest blessing, right? So he will open his mouth to the disciples who came up to the mountain with him and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. He says, that's where it begins. Are you poor in the spirit? Lord, I need you. Without you, Lord, I cannot. Are you poor? So the issue is that God sees you and me. He sees me reading the word of God with or without the poverty of the spirit and he sees you and me praying with or without the poverty of the spirit. He sees. He sees. Because these are the two primary activities in which we are connecting with God. Our prayer and our word. And the first thing he looks is, is he poor? Is he? First thing he looks. First thing he looks. You know what's written about Jesus? Hebrews 5 7. In the days of his flesh, he prayed to God how? With vehement cries and tears, with groans that could not be uttered. About Jesus' prayer. Why? He was poor before his father. Poor before his father. Father! I cannot live without you. One second I cannot manage without you. Save me. Save me from sin. We read Hebrews 4.15. He was tempted at all points, but he did not sin. Why? Because he was poor in the spirit. What does Isaiah 50 say? Morning by morning you awakened me. And I did not turn like one. Rebellious. He could be taught the word of God because he was poor in the spirit. That's all we also need. We don't need so many things and bungalows and all. If you and I can ask for God and say, make me poor in the spirit, that's enough. Rest will follow. Rest will follow. God has shown us two things. Two things. Attitude to his word. Attitude in our prayer life. <clears throat> then the Spirit speaks. Then the Spirit prays through us because everything is the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit all prayers. He didn't say pray in your flesh or pray with your soul. He says pray in the Spirit. That's powerful. What does Paul pray? Give me wisdom and revelation. No, give me the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Holy Spirit, give me revelation. I'm reading this, Lord. I'm not getting it, Lord. Please, Lord, please. I know Gamaliel taught me. I know got a degree from the Bible college. Lord, he was the best teacher in Jerusalem, but Lord, I don't want that. Speak to me, Lord. I need you to teach me. I need you to teach me. Do you believe he's real? Do you believe? That's a question God is talking about. Because we believe to serve a living God. A living God. Oh, God is living. God is living. The main thing about living people is they talk. Because if he doesn't talk, we can live by what we heard. We're a good Christian, but we cannot walk. We cannot walk. If you go to LHL, our home for the special needs children, you will see my boy Chandu there and my girl Amlu there. Is he living? Better than you. He lives better than you. He doesn't have to worry about his food. 
He doesn't have to worry about feeding himself. He's fed. He doesn't have to worry about changing his clothes. He's clothed like a prince. He doesn't have to worry about taking a shower. He's given a bath. But does he walk? Does he walk? Is he living? Can he walk? No. Are you living? By faith? Maybe. By the things you have heard. Are you walking? Are you walking? Does that, doesn't that bother us? There's only one set of people in China who are not afraid. Those who have heard. They're not afraid. And a whole set of them who heard went into Wuhan and saved 10,000 souls. Maybe more than 10. 10 is the number I got. Approximate number. They went in. They were not afraid because they were told, go, before these people die, tell them about Jesus. They brought in as they were dying. Call upon the name of Jesus. Call upon the name of Jesus. They were not afraid because they heard. Strength that comes from hearing from God. And you don't hear. You can live by faith. Yes, that's one thing. The things that you have heard from me. That's good, godly living. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about purpose. Purpose. Very clear. Age doesn't take that purpose away. Calamity doesn't break that purpose. You know you have heard. You have heard very clearly. Oh, look at David. Old man. Old. Lying in bed. He's sick. Old. And he hears. Lord, your king. Yes. Your son, Adonijah, has taken the throne. This, 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 this people have gathered with him. You know what he says? Bring my mule. Come here. Come here. Come here. Nathan, go. Blow the trumpet. Anoint Solomon. Because I had heard this is the fellow who will be the king after me, not him. You know what's the last act of David before he rested with his fathers? He saw the throne was stable. And then he went. Last act of Abraham. Sons, come here. Ishmael, all of you. Midian, Gothan, all of you come here. Come here. Here. Take your gift. 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 Go. Estate belongs to Isaac. No turmoil in my family. And he rested with his fathers. Because they heard. That's why God is called the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, meaning he was not God, he was individual to them. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. You have to believe there's a God who speaks. And that speaking defines your life. It defines your life. It changes your life. Changes your life. A lot of people in Christendom are struggling. It's not because of their problems. It is not because of their problems. 
It is not because of them. Because no one is going through anything that generally mankind is not going through. It is simply because of one thing. They haven't heard. They haven't heard. Once you hear, all goes wrong in front of you. You are at peace. Because you have heard. You know what God Jesus said? When all these things happen, lift up your hearts. Because I have warned you forehand. I have already told you. When all these things happen, lift up your head. For your redemption is near. So we look with grief at those who are dying. We look with joy because we know he's coming. We are not moved. We are not troubled because we have heard. Shall we stand? Father, this morning we just come to you. You are the author of our faith. But it cannot stop there, Lord. As your word says, you too have to be the perfecter and the finisher of our faith. The journey you started us on, we have to finish. And we cannot finish this on our own. Only you can finish it for us. Once again, I pray for open ears. Whatever it has blocked our ears, you're a father who loves us. You care for us. And a father, you speak to your children. Speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. We don't want to live a just a good, righteous life without purpose. The kingdom and the king should define everything in our lives. When you heard, nobody could stop you from Jerusalem or from the cross. Because you had heard. Everybody around you tried to discourage you from going to the cross. But your word says, you set your face like a flint towards Jerusalem. Because you had heard. Peter took his sword out. He said, put it back. If I need. My father will send 12 legions of angels. Should I not drink from this cup? My father has said before me, you knew. You had the power to avoid the cup. But you chose to drink from the cup because you knew. This is what your father wanted you to drink from. The same spirit you have given us. You told your disciples there are so many things I need to speak to you, but you cannot bear it now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He will teach you all things. And you have given us the same spirit which Paul had, Peter had, John had. Same spirit. There's no difference. The spirit is the same. The one thing that unites the church 
from the beginning till the last day is your spirit. And he still speaks. And everything that is a block in our life to your hearing from your spirit, Lord, I pray, show it to us. And we will remove it with your strength, with a fist of iron. Nothing, nothing, Lord, nothing can or should come between you and us. Because life itself is about you and knowing you. For you said this is eternal life. That you know the Father and His Son Christ. As Moses prayed 3,500 years ago, we too pray. Teach us your paths. Show us your ways. You told him, my presence will go with you. I'll give you rest. Your presence went with him for 40 years and you taught him your ways. We have more than your presence with us. We have your very spirit in us and with us. I pray when we read the word, the blinkers will come off. The scales will come off. That we will read and hear your word with eyes and ears of faith. For your promises are true. And your first promise, O Lord, in the new covenant, you shall name him Yeshua, for he shall save his people from their sin. Thank you, Father. We believed. We believed in Yeshua. We believed in Jesus. You saved us. But we don't want to stop there because the second promise follows. You shall call him Emmanuel. God with us. God who walks with us. God who speaks to us. It's my prayer for the church, Lord, in these last days. Every man, woman, and child will hear. Know their father. Grow in that knowledge of their father. That's where our strength comes from. Because your word says through Daniel, they who know the Lord shall do great exploits, mighty things. Help us, Lord. Help us. And clog our ears. And clog our lives from worthless things. And pursuit of worthless things. Let there be singleness of vision, Lord. Single eye. That our spirits are yoked to your spirit, Lord. And our hearts are in tune with your word. Then your word is life. Commit your church into thy hands. Everyone who is here today, Lord. Everyone. Brethren who know you. Dear ones who do not know you, but you know everyone by name. There's nobody who's standing in the house of God today you do not know. You know them by name. You know where they live. And you know the condition of their life. And it is the same God who's speaking to them too. Call upon the name of Jesus. And you and your household shall be saved. Ananias did not know. But you told him, go to the city. Go to the street called Straight. 
go to this house. And in that house there is a man called Saul. Behold, he is praying. You know him by name. You told Cornelius, send men to Joppa. By the seaside there is a house. And the house of Simon the Tanner. In that house there is Simon Peter. Call him. He will tell you the way of life. You know each one who is standing here. You know their address. You know their situation. You know what each one is going through. And to everyone you are telling him, call upon the name of my son, Jesus. He will save you. He will save you. Only he can save. There is no other name under the heavens but the name of Jesus. My prayer is Lord. Not only you will save us. As it is written in Hebrews 7.25, we will keep coming to you and you will save us to the uttermost. That you will sanctify us through and through soul, spirit and body. That at the appearance of Jesus Christ, you will have a people who are blameless. Because we heard, we believed and we obeyed. Thank you, thank you Father. Thank you Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you. Now believing the word of God and the spirit of God has sanctified us. We lift up holy hands in the house of God and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we open our mouths and we declare in your house, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Thank you Lord. Thank you. For in Jesus name I pray. Amen. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the incredible sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.